0: Um, just just to kind of be a courteous uh, co-host, I've uh, put potpourri in my uh, large cod piece so that it's more of <laughs> a pleasant experience for you during the
1: recording process. I do appreciate that. I hope uh, there's some cedar would be nice. <laughs> Two You're in a child as an idiot, the podcast, where we look back on the movies and TV and songs and I don't know, back scratchers from your childhood and wonder if they were any good. My name's Damon. I'm DJ. Back scratchers. I don't know. It was the first thing I thought of. That was um, mildly humorous.
0: I feel like those are probably not gonna hold up. They're made of like balsa wood, usually.
1: Yeah, but they have that weird hand structure. You gotta hand yeah. it to them on that. That's funny
0: today we're t- unrelatedly we're talking about <laughs> labyrinth um this is the uh, second in our babysitter installments um, oh yeah
1: looking back on babysitting throughout the ages
0: <laughs> um we are going for a loose
1: <laughs> affiliation oh, very, well i mean she themes. she is babysitting her brother and she then prays to the goblin king to come get him that's terrible babysitting
0: isn't this um I'm remembering that the baby is like enormous for a baby. Is that, am I just picturing that in or my head wrong? how tall was
1: David Bowie? It's hard to say. <laughs> um, because he had all those little goblins um, and they were wee. So if the baby was ever amongst the little goblin Muppets, he'd look enormous. I'm confusing this a little bit with Ghostbusters too, as well. <laughs> that baby, um, I don't remember that baby being large, but here's the thing about Damon's Anthopolis. I don't know babies. Every time I have ever held a baby, I'm like, wow, they really are small. <laughs> For I'm some always, reason, it's always a revelation how small a baby can be.
0: I'm always saying this to you, baby, you don't know babies.
1: <laughs> Which was the, the original line from Gone with the Wind, and they changed yes. it because it made no sense in the context. And it, yeah, and it was anachronistic. Um... <laughs> Butterfly, we're gonna have to do another script change. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a feeling that's not the first time I've referenced Butterfly McQueen on this podcast. <laughs> but um so I don't I I don't have a lot on this because I for some reason as a kid, I think we take Dark Crystal off the TV. Yeah. Um, but I never got into serious Muppets, which is probably a horrible stain on Jim Henson's legacy because he was he always wanted uh, everyone to really get into the serious Muppets, and we were like, nah, more Sesame Street, please. Yeah. More yeah. Sesame Street. Oh, that was me trying to do the Colbert hand. And I never got into Dark Crystal, and I never saw a Labyrinth until college, when I think one of my friends was like, oh, you've never seen it? Yeah. And we had to watch it. Um, I had a girlfriend rephrase a friend who was a girl in um in high school who would sing me the uh the the babe with the power song and i'd always go what is that what are you what are you talking about i don't remember uh you remind me of the babe do you know that one mm you don't know that song no nope. david bowie sings it david bowie that makes sense i'm glad he gets a song <laughs> finally some some time for david bowie to sing uh but otherwise i don't I think I saw this too late in my life for it to be a thing. It certainly didn't launch a thousand like codpiece fetishes for me. So <laughs> um,
0: I can't wait for you to do the drawing for this one, though.
1: Um, Will it just be like the bodyguard drawing where we both want to be dressed as Jareth <laughs> the Goblin King? I can be the baby. It's fine. Um,
0: I I think this one, like, I feel like I m- maybe missed this one on the early side. Like, I saw it, I saw it, and I remember being creeped out by the Muppets, but. I don't it wasn't like a big which is the natural reaction. Yes. They are creepy as hell. Dear God, no. I still sometimes have nightmares about the one episode of DC Follies, which is the show that used to come after Saturday oh, Night Live with like DC like president and uh administration, like Nancy and Ronald Reagan Muppets. I
1: remember those. They weren't official Muppets. They were technically not Muppets. They weren't They're muppets, not Muppets. But they were like
0: puppets. Um and they but they yeah. there was one episode where one of them was Possessed. I think it was Nancy Reagan's, one where like her head spins around and her eyes are red or whatever. And I still sometimes flash to that. And I am 38 years old.
1: Those, those puppets, the DC Follies puppets, uh, they looked like a, those Reagan masks, essentially just yes. like then made into a real life thing. Yeah. And they were, I don't know. I liked the style of it was drawing, but in real life, it was one of those uncanny, like, dear God, no, why? Please. Um, but that's neither here nor Labyrinth. No,
0: it's not. But it did have Fred Willard, so...
1: (laughs) You gotta hand it to him. (laughs) Um, So,
0: (laughs) I feel like this is going to be bad. Um, Because it seems like one of the... It seems like a kind of... I know this is a controversial episode for us, but it it seems like the never-ending story kind of vibe of, like, made for kids, but in a punching-down sort of
1: way, not in a
0: respectful way. But I
1: hope. I'm wrong. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it will be fine. But I think I think it's one of those movies that you have to see at a formative age for it to hook into you. And if you miss that ship, yeah, maybe like a maybe like a uh, non holiday Christmas story. If you miss that boat, you're kind of fucked. there's no there's no getting <laughs> back like, on. There's nothing here for me. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. I feel like the baby's famous. Isn't the baby turning out to be someone famous? I look to no one in my vicinity. I'm looking around like a fucking idiot. Who's that? Um, Jennifer Col- Colony, right? Jennifer Connelly, Connelly is not it. I can't say her name, um, apparently. Colony, right? <laughs> also known as Lily Collins. Um, She's the Roanoke Colony, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, they found tooth marks in her skull. <laughs> um... The one thing I saw. I saw a Roanoke uh video and I was like, that's the only thing I remember is they found a skull and it had human teeth marks in it.
0: Okay. Uh Hold, update. The, the baby from labyrinth works on the Netflix Dark Crystal
1: show. Oh. I was hoping it was gonna be like Terry Bradshaw or something. <laughs> Terry
0: Bradshaw. <laughs> and <laughs> Terry Brad as we all know Terry Bradshaw owns a time machine. So he, <laughs> that's
1: why he's so big. He, went back. he would explain your thing.
0: He went back, got himself as a baby, brought it forward.
1: <laughs> I like that Terry Bradshaw was like 40, <laughs> 40 in 1986. My my thought was that if you are in a time machine, you um you age backwards to the age you were at the time you were returned to. <laughs> yeah. So that was my theory is that Terry Bradshaw got in the time machine, returned to 1980, but then that would make no sense because he'd still be 40. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm starting to think the Terry Bradshaw is the baby theory. <laughs> this may be falling this
0: apart. Theory is not holding
1: any water. I'm afraid. <laughs> Maybe I just think he looks like a baby.
0: What is your most creepy? I gave you my most creepy Muppet. Actually, I, I guess I need a new. First Again, thing, that's mu-
1: not. Those are not. Muppets, if we're saying as any pedantic
0: person would. say. If we're saying Muppets trademark, registered trademark moment, I need to come up with one. But what's your creepiest Muppet moment?
1: Well, here, actually, this is related to the Dark Crystal. Um, we, me and Jason were notorious for taping things off the television. Um, television. And on our tape, on one of our tapes, the uh, the A-list was Mary Poppins. That was the first one on the on the tape. And then right after it started Dark Crystal. Okay. But I think Jason was a little late to the record button. So Mary Poppins ends and boom! immediately you have a Skeksis from Dark Crystal walking across the screen. Mm, there's one Skeksis that makes that sound over and over throughout Dark Crystal. And that's it's obnoxious it. as fuck. Okay. Um, those are the ev- evil, like I've never sort seen of vulture that. creatures. Okay. Um, they're sort of the bad guys in the movie. Got it. Or are they? Hmm. Um, but they are very vulture like and they're they look like a, like if you left a vulture skeleton in a fire they're terrible looking and right after julie andrews flies off into the fogs of london <laughs> right into melted vulture face it's terrifying um so that is my my memory of being creeped out by muppets i'm trying to think of another one cuz muppets do get scary but i think i'm just thinking more of like creepy it, creepily inappropriate Disney movies now. Um, If we're not allowed to count, uh, you know, DC Folly,
0: since those are not registered trademark Muppets, uh, I'm going to have to probably say it's from this movie. It's from Labyrinth because I've never seen Dark Crystal. So that doesn't, that didn't affect me. Um, But I remember there's a lot of creepiness going on in this one.
1: Right. I remember liking... I think I like Dark Crystal more, but not as much as, you know, when you meet the people who really like Dark Crystal. Um, I'm not as much as those. Uh, But I think I like that one more because it's a little bit... (laughs) um, (laughs) Methods, we call them. It's unrelated (laughs) to the title of the... I think that one, this one just seems sort of piecemeal. And then Dark Crystal actually feels like someone tried to create a world and not entirely successfully. But I think this one's just like, what if David Bowie was available? And (laughs) it was like a shot in the dark. And then he's like, yeah, I can, I can be on, you know, in the next week or two. And they're like, oh shit, we got to come up with a movie. (laughs) Did they, is Um, this his first acting joint? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Cause he was in The Man That Fell to Earth, which I think is before this. Okay. Um, He's in a lot of, things. People are like, you look like a fucking alien. You wanna be in our movie? And you're like, Yes I do. <laughs> yes I do. Um
0: I don't remember him being one way or another either. It's been a very like it's probably been since the early nineties since I've seen this movie.
1: He's actually he he is very charming in this movie and he does a great job and he seems completely comfortable hanging around with these Muppets. Sometimes you see celebrities in yeah. these Muppet movies and they're like, what the fuck did I sign on for? Yeah. Um, or they're like, my kid's like this and I'm going to tolerate right. this. Uh, but he seems to be having a great time singing with all the little goblin creatures. It's very charming. And here's another little fun fact that I want you to know before you go in. Okay, He does some like, he has like a little crystal ball in his hand. Uh, that he does some like tricks with, rolling it back and forth and doing that stuff. Those are not his hands. There's a guy behind him, like doing the whose line oh, is it anyway thing. Okay. Um, so keep that in mind when you're watching. So he did. not fun fact about Jareth the Goblin King. You're saying that David Bowie did
0: not have the acting dedication that Jim Carrey did in Batman Forever to actually learn cane tricks. <laughs> Or maybe even right. even for David
1: Bowie, magic tricks was like a bridge too far. <laughs> David Bowie's like, look, I'm already hanging out with like goblins all day. There's not another fucking person here. It's just me and these guys who are three feet under the under the floor. <laughs> no, I'm not learning your crystal
0: ball thing. Not doing that shit. He did do uh three card Monty on the set a lot though. <laughs> <laughs> the crew left with their pockets turned inside <laughs> out
1: little cartoon moth is coming out
0: i also have to admit that other than the hits david bowie's a blit of a bit of a musical blind spot for me um right like i know you know fame and the like you know the uh ground control to major Tom, like all the like the big ones the hits i'm familiar with
1: but i don't all about that bass. <laughs> yeah by Megan Trainer, so what you're talking about? No scrubs. That's yeah. a great David yeah. Bowie. Mm-hmm. You don't know these are all tributes to him. Ironic. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was good. And his face was red when that English professor said those are technically not irony.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he's
1: Canadian, so <laughs> David Bowie, famous, famously Canadian, Canadian. <laughs> which is his drink that he originally came up with, but then he was sued by clearly Canadian. <laughs> Just violating. You got to pay attention to the market,
0: David. You can't just be going in blind. Just violating copyrights all over the place. Trademarks, stepping on the trademarks. Um, all right, so we're gonna watch Labyrinth. Join us, won't you? It'll make. Please, is it available anywhere? I don't know. What are we watching it on? Probably Amazon Prime. Maybe Labyrinth TV. It's probably on fucking D plus. No. Yeah. Got to get all the... D plus. I have like 11 streaming platforms, and I'm still like, I guess I'm paying $3 for this. <laughs> no matter what happens. <laughs> uh,
1: I guess I can watch it on Voodoo. Okay. Get out of here. Yep. Um, Amazon Prime, YouTube. Google Play, iTunes, which a lot of people watch movies on. I believe I rented Space Jam for this very podcast. Oh,
0: hoist with my own... So watch car. your
1: goddamn mouth. Uh, watch along
0: with us. We'll be right back.
1: Do um, you remember the wish that you say to the Goblin King? You can do something with that. Maybe something with that.
0: You have no power over me. But you could, if you became a patron of the podcast, patreon.com slash your inner Yeah.
1: flawless that's stupid but but that is the most ludicrous thing keep it book it can it or whatever they say in the biz if you can tolerate that commercial
0: this commercial then go ahead and become a patron patreon.com slash your child's an idiot because you're gonna be our biggest fan and we need we need your
1: support
0: Damon, uh, I often call you the podcast goblin prince. and Yeah, and before... it seems
1: rude that you'd throw in the goblin because <laughs> <laughs> prince I get, podcast I get, the goblin just seems like you're just trying to cut me off at the heels. But it just,
0: it makes sense that you would be the one to recap this movie <laughs> <laughs> because of
1: that. I'd like to get some numbers on how many times <laughs> I recap versus you recap.
0: Look, you All want right. me to, you, here's the thing. I'll do it. I'm just very, very
1: bad at it. I wish I could argue with you, but <laughs> I'm not that good at it either. But uh, <laughs> listen, I'll two happily ten take discs. this on. Let's do like, it. Like, like our Christ uh, and Lord and Savior, I will take <laughs> this upon myself. Um. So uh, we have we start. Um. <laughs> smash cut <laughs> opening shot uh, to a girl S- named Star Sarah. Wife. Oh yeah, uh, an imaginative girl named Sarah. Might be a little histrionic. Um, She uh, stuck with babysitting duties uh, for her little brother, or little half-brother, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, Toby. Is that right, Toby? You can call me Toby. Yes. Which was an odd line coming from that toddler. (laughs)
0: Uh, just, um, it's, uh, it's a rowan atkinson sketchy he, like he's like <laughs> i am of course the devil but you can call me toby
1: oh wait i remember that one that's the one where uh he's like and christians over here yeah. i'm sorry the <laughs> jews were right <laughs> um anyway it's neither here nor there uh, good. i'll be cutting doing great Fine. um and uh she's put out by her uh, her half brother toby and uh with all his crying and what have you she decides to pray to the goblin king um a of myth course. that That's... we're all familiar with i don't think i need to explain how the goblin king <laughs> stole we all, babies as we all did when we were teen girls uh and thus uh david bowie glam rocker um currently in his, uh, the Thin White Duke phase of his career, uh, comes through her door and steals her brother um, and says, uh, in pure video game format, you can have him back if you go through my labyrinth and meet me at my castle. Um, and uh, she has 13 hours to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, to get a funny no- novelty time. clock to... To demonstrate those thirteen hours. Yes. On the way, she meets some friends. Um, she meets Hoggle, who's standing outside the gates of the labyrinth, uh, spraying down fairies. She meets Ludo, a giant sort of um, monster-like creature. Rock kind of looks like kind of looks like what's his name from Monsters Inc. If he mm-hmm. got a, a red hair out of the box, red hair dye. Yeah. Done. Um, <laughs> Sully. That's the word I'm looking for. Or is it Scully? Sully. Sully. Sully Sully Sullenberger. Yeah. Yeah. Saved those people on the plane and was also a monster from Monsters, Inc. (laughs) Um, And then she also meets, what's his name, Mephistopheles? Didymus? Sir Uh, Didymus.
0: Epididymus, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And his dog, Ambrosia. Ambrosius. Ambrosius. And eventually, uh, they make their way through the labyrinth um, through a bunch of nightmare fuel-inducing terrors. (laughs) Mm. And uh some comical, some more nightmare inducing, and uh meet meet uh Jareth the Goblin King, the aforementioned David Bowie, at his castle and defeat him through through the power of eighties music videos the, from what I can tell. The power of memorized lines. I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, thus he's Indeed. defeated, and she gets to have her baby brother back, who she now loves and is no longer put out by. And uh, but then she realizes the power of imagination; she can visit all her friends, including some of the friends who kidnapped,
0: who are not friends, her
1: brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know they all parted in her room, and it was well past midnight. And you know her parents had just had a night out. I'm sure they were a little bit tipsy. Maybe wanted to have a little romp around the hay. Keep it down, Sarah. It sounds like we had an adventure, but we also made some friends along the way. That's what I like about it. That's what I liked about it. I don't know about you, but that's what I liked about it. (laughs) You've said that. Uh, Several
0: times. We get, like, I think the first CGI thing ever in the opening credits.
1: It's not the first CGI thing ever, but it's the first CGI attempt at a realistic, like, natural thing. I'm pretty sure this is the first CGI thing ever. No, uh, the young Sherlock Holmes had the first CGI <laughs> creature. It was is that a knight, yes, a knight that came out of a stained glass window, and he was like made of stained glass. Wow. But this was the first attempt at a photorealistic object from the natural world, and it is the owl. Try me again. I I wasn't going for verse for for truth here.
0: I was just going for a, a bit, but. uh... <laughs> uh I'm here to elf. stop
1: that bit at all times with the facts. facts.
0: The owl—it's a barn owl—that is, I guess, the Goblin King comes back through the.
1: Yeah, it was sort of like a yeah, least, a charm of the godman the Goblin King, or a familiar, well, as as witches might say. Well, but he like turns into the owl at the end. Uh, yeah, we never actually see him, yeah, I think we are to assume that. We never see him turn into it, but he he's there at the beginning, he's there at the end, and we never yeah. see the owl in between. They're never in the same room in the same time.
0: Right. It's like a Michael Sarah, and Jesse Eisenberg thing.
1: Oh, yeah, you've never seen them together. Uh, I did write that that barn owl was careening around like a drunk driver. <laughs> that that yes. opening sequence, is like he's just all over the place. Um...
0: We get some credits uh, over the Top Gun thing, which is nice. They, I get they, they get to
1: reuse that. Um, you know, it was just lying around. David Bowie of, loves it.
0: A lot of heavy hitters involved in this. I did not realize that George Lucas was, had a hand in this.
1: Yeah, George Lucas is the producer. Uh, Jim Henson directs it. David Bowie, of course. Terry Jones from Monty Python... Wrote it, uh, yeah. ...took a few passes at the screenplay. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Justin from Absolutely Fabulous plays the father...
0: Okay,
1: Justin. I'm have to trust so you on that. everybody's favorite. Um, he, I, I was very cognizant of him because I love absolutely fabulous, but also because uh, he was the perfect, like the platonic ideal of British man doing an American accent. Sarah, are you up there, Sarah? I'm like, <laughs> really? wow, this was filmed in England. Thank you. Really
0: hit those R's, didn't you?
1: <laughs> we get it. You say R's differently than we say R's. <laughs> uh, I got it. I got to just. Come,
0: come at Sarah right out the gate here. Uh, the the infant that is barely crawling did not steal your teddy bear
1: <laughs> and placed did, it in uh, his crib. Clearly, your parents were like, "Oh, he might like this." Let I me. did, I did think that as well. I was like, "How did?" The, first off, it's outside of the crib anyway. It's not even in the crib, yeah. so there could have been just an accident. Um, yeah, that baby is far too young to be stealing, especially because where she stores it is like in a high up. Shelf. Yeah, yeah, he's not getting that.
0: Clearly, the stepmom was like, "Oh, I think the baby will enjoy this—the comfort and the the company of this teddy bear." Also, I
1: old. mean, she's what? What would you say she like? Fourteen? Would you say Jennifer Connelly is Maybe. thirteen, fourteen? Yeah, it's a bit old for the bear thing.
0: Well, I think that's what we're kind of doing in this uh, uh, in this movie, uh, if I may say so. I don't want to get too deep into the themes, but
1: <laughs> you might think, be true. You might
0: you might be right. I think we might be growing up during the course of this film, Damon. Are we though?
1: Are we though? Um,
0: <laughs> Let's tune in to find out.
1: <laughs> well, she's still also still talking to it like a like a child would. I don't know. I was against Sarah from the get go. I have a feeling as as a teenager, I also would have been against Sarah. But um I probably would have been on her side about the kid thing because I do hate children. It's sort of cooled into a mutual disrespect at this point. But yeah. I mean, her her brother <laughs> is crying through throughout the whole first scene, like like just wailing. And yeah. she she acts like he's he's putting her out. And like, come on. But I mean, like, it's, she's not even it's a crying. baby.
0: Typically, I mean, there's sometimes there's something more wrong, but typically with a baby, it's like one of three things, right? Like, right. They need and she to just be... just
1: keeps holding it and like twirling with it. Like, and I tried everything. <laughs> I <laughs> twirled you. I picked you up and shook you. Yeah. <laughs> I prayed to a mythological king to steal what you. El-
0: what else what do, do I need this? to do? What else do I need to do? I don't know. Change his wet diaper. Give him a Cal bottle. On, take me away. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Try something here. Um, I I, The first thing I wrote after that is Jesus Christ goblins, because (laughs) (laughs) they don't waste much time getting into the creepery here. Uh, I
1: wrote that act one is five minutes long. Yeah. And that's a generous, that's counting the credits.
0: I kind of appreciate it. They're like, uh, look, this is directed by Jim Henson. We know why you're here.
1: Everybody knows why you're here. You came from Muppets, which is a portmanteau of marionettes and of course Ruppets. <laughs> <laughs> Crumpets. <laughs> um, um, yeah, they they then they um it's a jump cut. So when she starts like uh, invoking the name of the Goblin King, as you would in a political debate, uh, it cuts to this group of—I uh, only imagine—post-orgiastic goblins just lying in a in a cuddle puddle, uh, yeah. just lying on top of each other, and one just opens his eyes and says, "She's about to say it."
0: They look like they're about to film the opening of Bohemian Rhapsody. Like there's just like <laughs> their heads are all like really close together in a really dark room. Like what is happening right now? What is this? Uh, I could have, I mean, I'm going to get, we'll get into this later, but like I could have used a little bit more setup. Like, what are we talking about here? Um,
1: Yeah, I was, I was very much when she, I know she was, she was sort of practicing. I don't know if she's practicing, practicing for a play she's in, or if she's just practicing for a play she dreams of one day being in. Right. Uh, Both things I've done. Don't get me wrong, right? Both things I've practiced in a park somewhere, uh, but yeah, it, it, the the Goblin King thing. Just I was just like, is this a, a known entity? It, yeah, it was yeah. dropped so suddenly that I was I was confused. I'm like, is this a regional thing? Is this like Celtic mythology? Yeah. I'm supposed to be familiar with?
0: That's what I said. I said like uh, much like Mega Man. I said, was there a manual I was supposed to have read? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do like they do physical set up in the sense that they show pictures of her her mom was an actress she's clearly got like a a, a split family and her her dad is remarried she doesn't like her uh stepmom she's got this half brother her like home life is annoying to her and like obviously she has some connection to theater she's like pre- pretending and practicing lines and then like everything in the labyrinth is in her room like the right. the animals are all represented the goblin king is like like David Bowie plays like an actor that is, like, with her mom in a photo, which I didn't notice any of this, of course,
1: because it's, like, I wait. did not notice that at all until yeah. I read through the trivia and I was watching it the second time and I did catch that. But, I mean, it's still not clear that... The, is that her mom? I mean, yeah, it's never th- really I explicitly so. Said. No, I wonder that. if yeah. that's a, a behind-the-scenes thing or, like, I know there's a lot of, like, compendiums and, like... Yeah. Apocryphal stuff. So I'm sure like Brian Henson and somewhere has said, Oh, that's her, that's her mom. And she got married to an actor and the actor is David Bowie. And when you see those pictures, it's in there, but and I and I I don't I don't begrudge the movie that doesn't like hover on that. I like the the Wizard of Oz sort of element of right. and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. Yeah. It's sort of just like assumed in there by I mean, it, this movie wears its influences on its sleeve. It, you literally pan by a bookshelf with The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, uh, where, where the Wild, Wild. Things yeah. Are, all these sort of uh, books like this where, where kids sort of imagineer themselves into yeah. a, a fantastical world. Um, but so I, th- that stuff was not overt, but I think the Goblin King thing... I needed yeah. a little bit more on. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I got,
0: I, I have to say, just to defend the movie a little bit, uh, I think like the placement of the animals is kind of like a more of an Easter egg sort of thing where like you can be like, oh, at the end, especially when they're, you're like, oh, okay, this was part of her sort of thing. Uh, but the, her, the, well, she setup, does
1: revisit it. She, re- oh, you wouldn't have picked up on it watching it the first time, of course, in theaters, but she, in the junk lady scene, when she yes. goes back to a yeah. replica of her room, you get to see all these things again, yeah. and you're like, oh, you see a thing, of the, a book that has like the cleaner on it, that right. weird machine that cleaned out the sewers, and then you see the M.C. Escher poster right. in the background, you're like, oh, okay. But
0: I, I did... Uh, I feel like it was pretty well established that that was her mom. Because, like, why else would she have, like, the picture of a middle-aged woman well, on I th- her I, mirror? I,
1: I thought it could either be her, her mom or a favorite actress.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and you could infer that her mom's dead, but it,
1: it could just sure. be that her mom, they're divorced and she doesn't get to see her or whatever. But Because she's busy fucking David Bowie somewhere. She's on Broadway with David Bowie, man. Her mom's Iman is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Aren't we all? Wait. <laughs> um. I I did write like this sort of like follows the act. The first act of course is like five minutes long, but it almost follows the cadence of a fairy tale in that it's almost like one day there was a father and he told the King that his daughter could sew straw into gold. And then all of a sudden she was put in a dungeon and forced to sew straw into gold. And then Rumpelstiltskin was there. Yeah. Um, and, but the I think my problem with it is that it does not like update that into like a modern a thing. Movie. It's just like yeah. boom, here's here's David Bowie he's in a Cod piece. You get the gist.
0: There's three bears. Why do you need to know why there's three <laughs> bears? Okay? There's just three bears. Get the fuck over it. Um the wor- and then the, we get to learn immediately learn the worst thing about the Goblin King is that he's a magician. <laughs>
1: Oh no, he does, he does close up magic. (laughs) Good God. No, she's just a girl, David. She's just a girl. Leave her be. Um, yes. And I, that is, uh, one of those practical effects. Apparently David Bowie cannot roll a glass ball around his hands like a, a wizard. Um, there was a guy. And you uh, call yourself a A glam rocker. rocker. Uh, Ziggy Stardust would be pissed. Um, (laughs) He, uh, there was a guy, like, behind him just doing it, not even able to see. He was just doing, like, the whose line is it anyway yeah. thing. I want to say one thing. I'm sure we'll talk about Bowie throughout this thing. Um, and I'm very casual Bowie fan. I like, I always like whatever song I hear of Bowie, but I have not really, like, delved deep into the archives of Bowie, um, but one of the things I always sort of like about Bowie is that he's one of those few people who have reached that icon status uh, who always seems down to hang. Yeah, Just like right. hang out. Like, sometimes you hear about these people who have reached that point. And I guess I was, I was trying to think today, when do I consider someone an icon? And I guess it's where if they did absolutely nothing ever again you would think never they'd think they'd of think them, them as a has-been. You would right, still right. think of them as, that guy's awesome. Like if Paul McCartney or Madonna just put their feet up and said, fuck it, yeah. I'm done. You, when they died in the obituaries, you'd be like, wow, what happened? Yeah. Um, where are they now? Well, dead, but... But yeah. And when you hear stories, I mean, Madonna's unfortunately got an Instagram where she's posting nonsense day in and day out, and you hear stories about like people like Prince where you're like, oh, you're just fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Little Richard stories were coming out recently where yeah. it was like, oh, no, I would never <laughs> want to hang around you. But every time I saw David Bowie in an interview, he always seemed, like, cool. He always yeah. seemed, like, joking around, like, making dad jokes. I remember, like, watching uh, the extras of the TV show Extras, and yeah. he would just, like, make stupid jokes and pretend that uh ricky gervais would not let him put those in the script <laughs> and he's just like he just seems so cool while also seeming so um oh wait i'm go- I was going to mix my my words there i was gonna say he seems so cool while also being so cool but you know what yeah, i mean yeah. he just seems like iconic while also being like somewhat down to earth right um and i love that he's like in his let's dance phase of his career right here. And he's hanging around most of the time in a studio full of tiny little goblin creatures poking their, uh, their noses and like pushing them around. And he seems to be having like the time of his life. Yeah. Yeah. He, he also like,
0: this was, I mean, I guess this movie actually maybe because the, the, look of it is so iconic. It's even elevated his status more, but, like, maybe not elevated his status. It elevated the legend of Bowie, I guess. Well, I think Um, it, like, introduced
1: him to people our age who weren't around for Ziggy Stardust to be like, oh, it's that guy from that thing.
0: But it'd be like, I'm trying to think of, like, who it would be now. It'd be like, I don't know, like, Ed Sheeran, if he was more theatrical. Just someone, like, (laughs) who's, like, already, like, top of the pops. It's not like he was just some, like, you know, a disco era guy. Like he was doing really well when he did this. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it's not like a, a comeback story or anything. Right? He's just like yeah. I get to do what I want. Also, um, I also have children who like to watch movies, and I'd like to be in one for them. I'm also
0: not like a huge Bowie guy. Like I like some of the songs, but I've not. I'm not like I actually like him more as an icon than I do musically. Like I am mm-hmm. glad that that guy existed. You know what I mean? I'm like. Mm-hmm. Glad that you're around. And he has some really cool things to say about the the job of an artist that, that we relate to. I actually uh, saw that going around the other day, uh, I think because turns out they're remaking The Labyrinth, which we didn't know when we agreed. Is it a remake the,
1: or is it a sequel?
0: I'm not sure which. Which
1: I don't know why you would even attempt a sequel.
0: I don't know. But there's somebody wanted to have uh, Jennifer Con- uh, Connelly as the Goblin King, which I'm for. That'd be fun. Oh, that might be fun, yeah,
1: Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I looked to the audience because I was like, actually, I'm not sure that would be fun. <laughs> i uh, but the the
0: music in this is is bad. Uh,
1: I know I like didn't mind the music. I don't know if I liked it in this movie. It did always seem like it was like, David Bowie had some like contractual extra songs yeah. lying around. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, this would this has Babe in it. And there's a Babe in this movie. We can work that in. And nice. uh, they never seemed to actually make sense. It wasn't like a, a traditional musical where the the music was telling part of the story or explaining like someone's mindset it just seemed to be like we got david bowie kids movies have music in them we're doing the music now david bowie sings songs we'll have him sing a song well, he, we, i never hated the songs but it just always seemed like what why are we doing this and we
0: did dance magic dance which is the the biggest one of the movie mm-hmm. uh, lauren just said
1: oh bowie what have you done <laughs> i thought that was the best one that was the one it i liked the best one. uh yeah. the best um probably the most memorable one and i didn't mind the one that was in the title credits but it again didn't seem to invoke what this story was right right i really liked the uh when the baby started having a good time though during that i think that was during dance <laughs> magic like they just, the baby's into it i was i mean I'll, I'll just sort of put this in here i was um as much as I liked Bowie in this, I wasn't sure how I felt about him being the villain in this because he seemed, uh, he didn't seem that bad. I wasn't really sure what his goals were. And the baby seemed to like him the most out of everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so he was a really good babysitter doing better than Jennifer Connelly really. Um, so I had trouble. I mean, I feel like it could have just been one line, but I was like, his goal is to just take the baby and and make him into a goblin, but he seems to be, he seems lousy with goblins. He's got plenty of them. What's, what do you need another goblin? Throw it on the pile. Yeah. Um, and I thought that magic dance, the song magic dance would imply that there was like a power in the baby. Right. You know, you remind me of the babe, what babe, the babe with the power, yada, yada, yada. But it, That's it. didn't seem to be the case at all. Um, so I had trouble understanding his villainy so which immediately undercuts your villain and yeah. especially when you cast someone like David Bowie who while he sort of threatens everyone he's always doing it with like sort of like a little wink wh- and a wh- smile yeah <laughs> and so it never feels all that threatening um so I had trouble being bothered by him. And I had trouble like feeling concerned for Toby. I was like, we got to get him out of this terrible situation of him having fun with all these small creatures (laughs) that seem to be taking care of him and putting him no danger whatsoever. Speaking of creatures.
0: um, Let's talk about those. There, Let's get into it because there are so many. I, I mean, just the sheer, like putting aside what, what you might, like or not like about the individual characters or how fucking terrifying some of them are. Uh, (laughs) Just the sheer number of unique characters that are created for this film is insane. Like, I don't even know
1: how you do this. Yeah, I have... have, Shall we go through them? Yeah. Let's start with Hoggle. Hoggle. Hoggle Hoggle is standing outside the labyrinth of the beginning. We see him pissing into a pond. Yes, um, which I thought was like, yeah. Now the Muppet. It's like when Raphael said, "Damn," and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm like, yeah, this is for us now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hoggle, uh, what did you think of Hoggle? And he sprang. Fairies. Oh, he's pe- spraying fairies like with like a little old timey mosquito yeah. uh,
0: th- gasser. That's a good point. Um, before we get into Hoggle's characterization, though, you, it does like set it up because he's like peeing into the fountain and then spraying fairies, and the fairies are like. Uh, it does set it up like this ain't your daddy's fairy tale, <laughs> but it's like d- that's about it. I, other than it's kind of a dark place, I guess. I guess it is more of like a grim, the original Grimm's fairy tale than like. The sort of whitewashed version
1: of it where it's more like pleasant, I guess. Yeah, I uh I, I thought it was a, a charming introduction, but it like immediately he becomes another sort of sad sack who does not their cats fighting outside my window, Sorry. Two he cats? sort of becomes yeah, at least two cats. <laughs> um he He starts off, like, you know, peeing into a thing, I'm like, oh, is he supposed to be gross, or is he supposed to be an asshole? And he eventually just sort of becomes, like, he's a coward, is his his trait. But it is a weird introduction for a character like that, who turns out to be a coward. Um, He doesn't seem to... He doesn't seem to match with his introduction. Right. Yeah, they... And I got started a little... I got a little exasperated by him as the movie went on, because... His relationship with Jennifer Connelly is weirdly uneven in that he sort of, he keeps hitting the same beats. He has this one-two beat, which is like, he wants to be friends with her, and then he betrays her, and he wants to be friends with her, and then he wants to betray her. And she, so it just keeps bouncing between those two points, but she, it keeps evolving. So she's like, he's my friend. I care about him. I want to save him. Yeah, And I'm like, why? It just makes her seem stupid. Right. Because he never... Not that he's like bad, but he just keeps like he keeps going through the same like redemption cycle. And I'm like, yeah, I only need one of these. You can't just keep <laughs> having the last five minutes of Return of the Jedi over and over and over again.
0: Well, and I was going to hit on this later, but I think it speaks more to like her childlikeness. Cause like when you're like, when little kids meet someone, they're like, Let's be friends. That's like not how friendships work. You know, right. it's like you meet someone, you're like, let's be friends. So it's like, well, let's see. You know,
1: <laughs> but like I think just because you live next door to me doesn't
0: mean we have to be friends. Yeah, but I think it's like a very like kid story, very like kid oriented thing when it's just like, here's all your fun character friends. But it's it's kind of odd that like some of the some of the more enemy characters become friends and then some of the enemies stay enemies right but it seems a little Um, arbitrary because they're like some of them stay like you know that you gave the example at the end when like uh some of the clear enemy characters who never like had a redemption (laughs) arc are just in Uh her room and i know it's like the end of the movie so who fucking cares but like it's also like wait what (laughs)
1: uh that's true no yeah i i totally agree um so our next character is Ludo, who's sort of yes. he sort of looks like Sully. He's a little bit, he's like a dim-witted, uh giant sort of beast monster. Uh, kind of looks like a like Rolf the dog. Um, and I don't know, Bluto from Popeye had a baby. Yes. Yeah. Um what do you think about him? I know you hate uh pets. And he's probably the most pet-like of all the creatures in this. The only thing I, aside from the actual dog, the only thing I didn't understand
0: or that didn't really land for me was Ludo. Is like the first time they're in trouble, and he gives out this like cry, and it like seems to create an avalanche, and like rocks come 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 down. But then he uses that power, which I guess it was a power in the. In the castle, when they're being surrounded by goblins, and the rocks are like chasing the goblins around and like acting on their own volition, like so, it's more of like a spell that he casts, but it's like well, he he has the He um
1: he, he says when the first time he does it when they're crossing the bog of eternal stench. Friends rocks. Friends. Um, I mean, sure. So I think the rocks were semi sentient. It's not a. It's not a. Because uh, the rocks also rise up out of the bog. One falls into the bog, but the others rise up. Right. So I think it is they're semi sentient and they're friends with him. So they he's calling to them. He's not like yelling so loud that he's shaking the the foundations of the earth.
0: I mean, I'll give the movie that, but also I don't feel like that was clear the first time. And then Uh-oh. so when it happens in the castle, I'm like. Wait, what is this power?
1: And I, I G- got it the first time. That was I yeah. I understood what was going on. Well, I'm not saying I didn't understand it. No, no, no. I, I mean, this is more of an intellectual movie, so you <laughs> might be left behind at some points. It's okay, Deej. You skipped to the the second
0: main Muppet character, but you missed a lot of characters in between. Oh, no, there are a lot of monster characters.
1: Okay. I was going for the big ones, and I thought I'd come back, but we can okay. go to those other okay, ones. Okay, no, go ahead. Uh, should we go to Sir Didymus? Epididymus, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, uh he is I sort have a of good, a squirrel like fox thing
0: i have a good bit on that real quick and that's the that oh please my, by all means my friend taijin uh in school would, uh, would be walking down the, the hall and sometimes <laughs> right. say to people quit looking at my epididymis and then they'd be like it just means skin he's just fucking with you
1: so oh wait well sir epididymis um He guards a bridge at the Bog of Eternal Stench. Yeah. Um, He rides a sheepdog as a steed. Which is... uh, A sheepdog that alternates between Muppet and non-Muppet. But it is, like, based on her dog. Right, it's based on Merlin, her dog, from the beginning. Uh, He's the most annoying of the characters... I might just be ascribing annoying to him because he reminds me of those fiery characters that knock their heads around. He's yeah. sort of shaped like them, so I was like already annoyed. Um, he's like Scrappy, but he's dude, sort of the know-it-all. Recently. Yes, yeah. he's he has a very Scrappy-Doo vibe. Yeah, uh, he's ready to fight even though he's so small, and he seems to just get out of scraps out of pure luck or sentient rocks killing everyone. Right. Um, I did like it was a very fan, uh, fairy tale sort of moment where he he's set to guard a bridge. Um, And he says, I, it's my life's work to guard this bridge. No one crosses this bridge without my permission. And after they sort of fight him and and sort of fail to cross the bridge, eventually Jennifer Connelly goes, well, may we cross the bridge? And yes. he has this very long pause and goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they can cross the bridge. <laughs> uh, which made me laugh. I like that. Yeah. No one has ever asked And him riding a dog did remind me, I actually had a Kermit doll uh, that had Velcro on his his wrists and ankles. Yes. And so you could put it on Sunshine Our Dog and uh, have him ride around as she desperately tried to get it loose from her body. That's uh, adorable. And that's exactly slash, what he looks yeah. like.
0: That's adorable slash abusive.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um... Those are her sort of compatriots. Those yes. are her scarecrow, tin man, and cowardly lion. Yeah. Um, but uh, what else did we encounter on our our adventure through Wonderland? So
0: many. We got uh,
1: so many. We got little worm buddy. There's like a little. It's <laughs> my favorite. That's my favorite one. He uh, was very working class, blue collar.
0: Yeah. He, so he's like at the first turn, and he he actually seems to mistakenly tell her to go the wrong way. Because um, he's like, what does he? Well, yeah. That's
1: up. You can analyze his bait, but he's just this Because she meets all her friends. He's a little, cute little worm guy. He is. He's very cute. He's got a little scarf on, which I love the idea of a worm being cold enough yeah. to wear a scarf, but not cold enough to wear a jacket. But where, I mean, when you think about it, where would the jacket rest? He has no shoulders. Yeah. Good point. Um, he's very working class. Or, he's like, Come in, see the missus, have a spot of tea. It's very charming. Or does he have many shoulders? Ooh. Think
0: about Ooh, it. Think about it.
1: I am now.
0: With all the ridges? We've got no less than three different sets of door-guarding Muppets.
1: <laughs> A category of Muppets. There's <laughs> chaos Muppets, order <laughs> Muppets, and door-guarding Muppets. Door-guarding neutral. Uh, <laughs> so all Door-guarding lawful. I
0: feel like all Muppets are either chaotic evil or chaotic good. That's it.
1: Oh yeah, I think that's the that's the 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 general classification is chaos or order Muppet. Kermit is an order Muppet. Yeah, uh, and uh, Lou, <laughs> Lou Zealand would be a chaos Muppet. But
0: we got uh, uh, oh yeah, and the Swedish Chef is clearly a chaos Muppet. And we...
1: chaos Muppet. <laughs> now I did different. have a debate once. Someone asked me, "Would what, what was Fozzie Bear?" And I guess Fozzie hmm. is a chaos Muppet, but he's just so uh, he's a mild chaos Muppet. Mild chaos. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get hurt. Yeah. You're not going to have fish fly at your He's face. He's not gone
0: example. to fire himself out of like, cannons over. Here.
1: But you're getting a, a terrible uh, stand-up routine, which isn't that it's the worst punishment of all. It's damaging in his own... You know,
0: like, if this, if he were real, like, comic, he'd have been canceled by now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. He, and then he'd have to go on WTF. Yeah. Are we good? Actually... Are we good, Fazi? <laughs> we good? Uh, actually, there is, in... Mark Marin's studio, I just realized that wasn't my joke. There is a drawing someone did for him of him like <laughs> yelling at Fozzie Bear. Are we good?
0: That's funny. Um, we got, uh, so the first door guys are like, they're set up like, like playing card. Like there's a shield and there's a top version of the characters. Oh, yeah. And then a bottom version, and there's two of them and they they're like goat like. And there's a, it's like, yeah. and it, And it's like a uh, a bridge trolls quiz Like one of them can can only lie And one of them can only tell the truth Whatever uh, But we also have the door guys Which are their, the face of their knockers On doors And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of them can't speak Because his he's holding the knocker In his mouth Which sounds dirtier than it is And then the other one Has the knockers in his The ring in his
1: ear So he can't hear anything Which mm-hmm. uh, that was a good bit um and I want to hand it to those to the Muppets themselves. Those specific specific puppets, they look uh, even though they're obviously not because they because they start talking everything, they look like metal knockers. Yeah. Like they yeah. actually look like metal moving around. Just a little technical aspect that I had to appreciate. Some art direction. Mm-hmm. Gotta hand it to them. And then the third
0: door door guys, only door guarding, but that's the big robot that's that comes out of the door and then They eventually kill it, and it's run by a little goblin in the back.
1: True. And then we also, I mean, in the same vein, they're also still sort of door Muppets. Um, You have the Helping Hands, which are, that is nightmare fuel. (sighs)
0: That's the, that's Um, the scariest one. I didn't even remember that until I saw it, and then I was like, I remember watching this and being terrified.
1: And you also have the cleaner at one point, which becomes sort of a, an obstacle to them. Yeah. Uh, and you also get the the false alarms, which were my favorite. Um, They're these rock faces. Oh, yeah. Uh, as, as Hoggle was trying to take her out uh, out of the uh, obulette. Um, They say, turn back, you're going the wrong way. And Hoggle's like, oh, just ignore them. They're... The, that's their job, their false alarms. Yeah. And then one starts talking, he's like, stop it! Yeah. And he's like, oh, come on, it's been so long, I just want to say it. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, okay. okay, but just don't expect us to react real big. That, that was a
0: good bit. Um, you've got the uh, the bird guy, the guy who has a a hat that's made oh, of yeah. a bird, like a ostrich kind of thing.
1: Yeah, or like a peacock yeah. type deal. Uh... And he's, I couldn't figure out, I, I've watched it twice now, and I still couldn't figure out what help he provides to them. Yeah, and then they pay him. He just says, sometimes the way you came is the way you should go or something. Yeah. I don't know. And they pay him in a in a in costume in costume jewelry, which is how I, I, that's, I have to put a line in my taxes for costume jewelry <laughs> I've been paid with. Um, the last one I have is bitey stuff, guys. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are those the guys who were tormenting Ludo? Um, they've got little like weird Voldemort fetuses oh, on sticks. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Bidey
0: staff guys. That's what I wrote. <laughs> Bitey staff. It makes sense now that you see it. <laughs> yeah, those were. I didn't remember them at all. That was weird. That was, They just have weapons, but the
1: weapons are
0: like little.
1: They look like birds. Bird, like when you have to like you look at a cross section of a bird, fertilized bird egg. And you see the little bird fetus in there. <laughs> That's what it looked like. Yes. Um,
0: did I miss it? Obviously, there's a, there's like a thousand goblins, <sighs> indistinct goblins. Well, and the the trash lady. That's the other one I forgot.
1: Ooh, the junk lady junk was. Lady. Uh, junk lady might have been my favorite. Uh, just in terms of her metaphor, was my favorite. But we also have the Fieries. Oh yeah, which yeah. are those red fuckers? I actually write in my <laughs> these red fuckers.
0: Those were the, I, I put Muppets with Bonnie Raitt hair. I hate
1: yes. This. That's accurate. Yeah. Um. Did you say I hate yes? This? <laughs> yeah. They were probably the most um, chaos Muppet of them all. Uh, they can remove their, their heads. Parts Sort yeah. of come. Yeah. They can remove their heads and their body parts, and they also like serve no purpose except to sort of pad things out. Yeah. Um, like they don't creep really her out. stop her.
0: They want to take they don't her head stop off
1: her, and they yeah they try and take her head off, and they don't stop her. Hoggle's there to rescue her instantaneously. It just was like, uh, some. there are a few parts in this movie where it felt like Jim Henson realized he could do something, and he didn't take Jeff Goldblum's advice, and, and just like, just because you can, maybe doesn't mean you should. Um, sometimes it's clever. I thought the helping hands, while kind of creepy, are really clever. Yes. But it yeah. also felt like that scene, she falls down the hole... And then they stop her and say, do you want to go up or down? She's like, well, I'm heading down, so I might as well go down. I'm like, so that accomplished nothing aside from showing off that you were able to sort of make puppets with your own hands. Right. And yeah. the fireys are the same sort of thing where he's like, I bet if we do guys in blue suits and then they have puppet parts all over their body, we can look like they're splitting up if we do a blue screen effect. I'm like, yeah, but it also doesn't serve to f- move the story forward in any way. Right. Um, so it seems really frustrating. Um And, uh, the bog of eternal, well, I guess they meet the, the Sir Didymus, the bog of eternal stench and the robot, the robot guard at the goblin city, I guess that's Hoggle's maybe final redemption. Yeah. Right. But still, uh, it feels like a lot of scenes of just like, oh no, this thing's happening. Oh, it turns out it was fine. Right. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. That's good. There's so many like I. I, There's no individual
0: goblins. They get lines, but there's no like, oh, this is his like chief goblin or anything like that. So it's kind of not worth talking about the goblins individually. But like, there was a lot of them, and that was kind of like seemed to be. Well, he has to be the king of someone. Well, yeah, that seemed to be their their uh, purpose was to show that there's a shitload of creatures that he has dominion over.
1: Did you catch any of the secret David Bowie faces in the labyrinth? No. There are uh, certain sections of the labyrinth that have David Bowie's like face carved into them, um, but they are never like called attention. I think the only one that's really called attention to is that face oh, yeah. collection of those rocks that form a face if you're looking yeah, at it at the right yeah, angle. Yeah. But there are a few like establishing shots where you see like an overview of the labyrinth, and there's like a few walls where you'll see like David Bowie's face in the background. Know. So there you have it. This is a little, little information
0: from me to you. This is I have to give credit because I did not remember this. This is the movie that taught me what an oubliette is. <laughs> and they define it very well.
1: And I've never used I, it since. <laughs> Everyone remembers where they were when they learned the word oubliette. I was here in my house <laughs> yesterday.
0: I yeah, that's why I said like, this movie. I I remember being like, oh, that's neat when I was a, the last time I saw this, when I was however many years old, and then haven't thought about it or used that word or read that word until just now, re-watching the movie, when I was like,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, uh So um, at one point, Hoggle runs away in fear, as is his want, um, and uh, David Bowie stops him and uh, gives him a peach that he wants Uh, Hoggle to give to Jennifer Connelly. Um, So Hoggle then rejoins the group in his third or fourth redemption arc um, and almost throws the peach away but doesn't and eventually gives it to Jennifer Connelly and uh, she slips away into uh, a dream. Uh, She passes out. Like a ballroom dancing uh, scene. Yeah, she's in a ballroom. She has, Tyler asked this question Uh, I will give him credit for it. He said, how many units of hair does she have on right now? (laughs) Um, Because she, her head is dwarfed by just the amount of like tracks and weaves that must be in her hair that just makes her get this huge like train of hair behind her. She's in a ball gown and everyone's wearing like Eyes Wide Shut style masks. And David Bowie's there. And that's when the psychosexual nature of this movie starts. And I'm like, wait, Is this whole movie about David Bowie fucking her? Um, And uh, she eventually escapes by cracking a window, which, you know, as we all understand, when you crack a window, gravity is then suspended and she's able to escape. That's just Um, common sense. (laughs) I guess now I'm realizing she's in the bubble. And so that's how, if she breaks the wall of the bubble, then she's able to escape. I don't know. Um, It just seemed like another moment of like, all right, movie, let's... Let's go. I know you got to legally get past the 75 minute mark, but can we just keep this thing going? Well, let's get, let's get into that because like I,
0: after watching the movie, uh, was trying to think, okay, like, because it's, a, it's a simple, um, in a lot of mo- ways, it's a, it's a very simple movie. And I was like, okay, well, what are they trying to say here? And there's clearly like a little bit of like, she's growing up and kind of leaving behind childish mm-hmm. things and realizing that she needs to, you know, take care of her little brother sometimes and stuff like that. But also then I was reading someone just happened to be, I think it was on Twitter or something. And because of the talk of the Labyrinth remake or sequel or whatever, someone was talking about the like sexual maturation idea of this. And then I was like, what? Because. other Oh no, I think that's an element of this. I I believe you, but like other than David Bowie's Bowie being out a lot because of the nature of his costume, I didn't really pick up on that.
1: Oh, really? I mean, that the ballroom dancing scene was just all him, like, cruising her in that that room. I mean, he was, like, had his fan, he was looking at her. I mean, the way the camera would just sort of pan to him, it just seemed like they weren't looking at each other like, uh, you know, mortal enemies. They weren't Sherlock and Moriarty. They were, like, Sherlock and Moriarty from the new Sherlock, you know, (laughs) where they might fuck. So what, like...
0: I, I, I do get that, but, like, I didn't get it from any other part of the movie. So I, I don't – I didn't understand that. Like, what, is, what are we saying here?
1: I don't know. I mean, I also feel like it was – um I mean, that was the first part where it really became explicit. I'm like, oh, what? Wait, what? Are we are we fucking teenagers now? Um, but also in the finale, where where he finally changes, <laughs> he gets a lot of costume changes in that last bit yeah. um, when he's wearing all white. Um, that also was sort of like a, 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 a not overtly sexual, but I mean, he's like, all I want you to do is just you know, you can do anything you want as long as you be my slave. Or I'd be your slave as long as you do what I tell you to do. Um, it felt like... What is that? Uh, what is that? How does that literally work? I mean, it's giving up your freedom. It, it, absolutely. It's like talking in circles. <laughs> I think that's the purpose of it. But yeah, I felt like there was like a tension there. I think there. it's not a coincidence that a lot of people like talk about yeah. labyrinth as like the first time they're, they had a warm feeling in their pants.
0: So is it like, is it just that she's sort of maturing and
1: like sees him... Maybe that way. Yeah, I think this movie's about treading the line between childhood and adulthood, and David Bowie represents that "Come with me to adulthood" aspect. And check out my uh, Hoggle, and right, check out my. Actually, check out my lack of (laughs) codpiece and how my ball sack is just sort of floating around in here in my my tight pants. Um, And Hoggle and Ludo, those sort of childlike imagination characters, are the other half of that. And that is why um, I think at the end you get the goblins get to dance with Jennifer Connelly. But David Bowie is absent from that scene because I think she staved off adulthood a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, She might admit, yeah, I will take care of my brother because that's a sisterly thing to do, but I'm not ready to be uh, an adult adult yet. And that's why David Bowie is not dead, as evidenced by the owl. And he flies away into the night and, you know, theoretically to return one day.
0: So she, she will watch her brother, but she will not touch herself. That is the,
1: that's the deal. No, no, that's no. She demo. can probably touch herself. Okay. Just turn all the stuffed animals around. Okay. Because now we know they're, they're actually there.
0: <laughs>
1: Terrible. Hey, Hoggle, it's a little bit of me time. How do you get out of from behind my bed, please? <laughs> can I have the room? Please? Guys, the sock was on the door. Come on. <laughs> um,
0: I have two questions to ask you as coming from the artist's perspective. Like... Yeah. Were you like an Escher guy? Were you like an MC Escher?
1: Enthusiast? I think uh, I think my brother had a few MC Escher books when I was growing up or, or something. I think, no, you know what it was? It wasn't my brother. Um, my parents had these national geographic for kids books. And one of them was all about optical illusions. Yeah. And there was a lot of MC Escher understandably in there. Um, so I thought that was cool, but I never went into that like phase of like, you know, posters on the wall and like, let's just hang out and get stoned and look at this picture of MC Escher holding a, you so one of your like
0: illustrator influences.
1: No, too much detail.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I don't got that kind of time. I think my dad had, like, the one where he does a self-portrait
1: in the crystal ball. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously amazing. LT, a friend of the show, LT, just did a puzzle of that drawing, Mm. and uh, it almost drove her insane. As all puzzles (laughs) should, right? Um, Um, Well, it's like, it was a thousand-piece puzzle, I think, and, I mean, the whole thing is basically just black and white pencil pointillism, and... I, I like helped. I tried to help sometimes when I was over at her house. Pre-quarantine, thank you. Um, and I was like, absolutely not. I cannot. And I love puzzles. And I was like, I, I got one piece and I feel like that's a victory. Goodbye. I'm I not sure if I felt really great about Jim Henson's direction in this movie. Uh, and part of it was like, I mean, going back to the Muppet thing, a lot of times it felt like he was like, oh, this would look cool. Yeah. yeah. But it never felt like it, like had any other purpose but looking cool and there's an aspect of that i really like i think he was really fantastic at world building and i think he's really fast fantastic at creating really striking visuals in this but i feel like a lot of times it doesn't gel into a larger picture it's just like and now we're doing this now and what about this um and i think because the mc escher is just a straight up like it's not an influence thing. It's like, I like that picture by MC Escher. I'm going to do that in real life and do that as the climax of the movie, especially as things are ramping up. It feels like it brings everything to a standstill. And then we have David Bowie sing part of a song and, and then it cuts to a new scene where David Bowie has a costume change. Um, and she defeats him by remembering the lines that she said at the beginning of the movie from that play. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I really I, the the climax just starts to fizzle out for me at that point. Yeah, not that it has to be like super violent climax or anything, right. but I think the M. C. Escher part just felt like Jim Henson sort of showing off, and there's part of me that appreciates that on an artistic level, and there's part of me that just wasn't feeling it on a story level. Right.
0: I agree. Um, you said one of your larger points.
1: Did you have another larger point? I mean, the other thing is, like, sometimes it just felt like... I mean, when you're working with Muppets and puppets like this, I mean, there's a lot of camera trickery that goes on that they have to use. Um, And I think, you know, they they use it to great effect in comedic situations. Um, And in situations like this, where you're seeing a lot of full-body characters, um, and sometimes full-body characters that serve as stand-ins for... Partial like puppet characters in close up shots, the editing starts to get really choppy. And sometimes I wasn't even sure what I was looking at. I think the part where it started to become really exasperating is during the sort of the giant goblin, uh, the door guard fight. Um, There's this sort of giant automaton that's guarding the gates of the goblin city. And he's got a giant axe and it feels very threatening because he's like, you know, 50 feet tall or whatever. Um, I never know feet. I never, whenever someone says, oh my God, it's 10 feet tall. I'm like, that's, that doesn't seem that big. And then when you see 10 feet tall, you're like, no, 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 that's huge. It's a basketball (laughs) goal. What are you talking about? Um, but he's a huge creature. And then he just sort of is moving. He sort of steps forward sort of, and then he starts swinging his ax just in a horizontal line. Yeah and it seems obvious that it's just swinging in a horizontal line, but the actors are still like screaming and the music is still going. And I'm like, I don't feel like this is very threatening, but the the choppiness of the editing feels like it's trying to trick me, but not doing a very effective job. Um, Some of the shots in the Goblin City as well just became like so choppy that at one point a character said something and I was like, Who said that? Who was that? And I was finally pieced together. I was like, I guess it was Hoggle because he was sort of in the corner. Like, I could see his forehead in the corner of this one shot. So I'll just attribute it to him because it sounded the most like his voice. Um, But there was a lot of that where, I don't know, the choppiness started to become so overbearing. And it it just felt like... uh, I had to refresh myself. I'm like, did Jim Henson direct any of the other movies? Or was that all Frank Oz? He Um, directed... Dark guess, Crystal. We, he did direct Dark Crystal, and he also directed uh, The Great Muppet mm. Caper, which I will admit is the the one I've seen the least of the Muppet the straight-up Muppet movies. Um, but I don't know if that's a, a thing to... It's been a while since I've seen Dark Crystal. I'd like to start, do Dark Crystal yeah. for this, but... Um, Yeah, I don't know if that's a hallmark of his, but I don't think he's that good at a technical level of direction.
0: Well, it sounds like we're getting into the judgment zone. Do you want to go to the verdicts? Sure. All right. Verdict time. I'm going to go first. Please. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I think I, uh, just because you were just talking about this, uh, I, I think that what Jim Henson was famous for is what he's best at, which is the workshop, creating these amazing characters and creatures and, you know, the pulling the team together to, to make it happen and the striking visuals of it. But I agree. I think maybe he's not a great director and then, you know, what he did is like amazing. So the fact that he couldn't also be this amazing director is like, yeah, okay. That's okay. You don't have to be good at everything. Let let other people do it.
1: <laughs> um, let Frank Oz do it. He's right there. But
0: like, uh, and I do. I did appreciate like thinking about the movie because it's it's a very simple. It's a more. It's a simpler movie. I wanted to like think about it a little bit more. Like, what did I miss? And I think I did miss some of the like the psychosexual part of the of the metaphor. I I kind of got the the general maturation, but I sort of missed the sexual maturation, which maybe I wouldn't have if I were a teen girl watching the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really like the the music, but I love David Bowie. So I'm kind of don't care. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, he's just not my favorite artist, but I also like him. Um, I think right. given that it was a young child actor and a lot of Muppets, it was you know, the dialogue was a little cringeworthy most of the time.
1: Sometimes even muffled. Sometimes yeah. I had trouble, like, understanding what people were saying. I, like, turned to Tyler. I'm like, what did he say? And Tyler would just go, "Yeah," just shake his head silently, like, why are you I very asking? much enjoy
0: adult Jennifer Con- Connelly as a actress. I think she's great. Uh,
1: oh, did you not like her in this? I
0: thought she was a kid actor. Like, I thought she did okay. Uh, I think...
1: I thought she was actually... I thought she... Uh, for, especially for... Uh, I won't even say this, but I was going to say, especially for someone who's the only human on on set the entire time, she does a good job. But I actually thought she was very naturalistic for for uh, for this type of movie. I thought she did a good job. She never, I never got that that thing that I usually get with kid actors. I'm like, all right, you precocious fuck, get I, the hell out of here. I thought she played a precocious kid, but the never crossed over into that. I up. had shut up the whole time, but <laughs> but I do have to give her like. For Jennifer yes. Connolly or for her yes. character?
0: But okay. I do have to give her credit for you know acting against Muppets. But I think she did I think right. she did fine. And I think, you know, that I have the kid actor thing is like there's a sliding scale, you know. Um so we for this podcast, we watch movies that are often more in the family genre, like they'd be considered like family mm-hmm. films from our childhood. But this is a children's film, and it is like acted as yeah. such it is directed as such like it is clearly targeted at children and so like it's uh again not, although it does say damn i do say times. damn uh that's my other point i guess for on so it makes me want to give it more of like a grade on a curve but also then they these are the most terrifying muppets in cinema history. <laughs> and I remember we have not seen Star Crystal yet. Okay. They're among <laughs> the most terrifying Muppets. And I like I remember being sort of traumatized in a mild way by this as a kid. Uh and so it's like in some way it's like it's for kids in the fact that it's Muppets, but in other ways it's like Jesus Christ, what are we what are we putting in our children's films <laughs> in the 80s? Um uh, well, Tyler actually, oh,' well, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I just i'm I'm gonna still come down. your inner child is not an idiot because if you love this movie and you like love these characters, you're you're gonna come back and watch this and you're still gonna love those characters. They're gonna bring back those those feelings you had and seeing, you know, David Bowie's junk. you're gonna love that. Um, yeah, <laughs> who wouldn't. so i don't I don't think like someone who like hasn't seen this movie since it came out would come back and be like appalled by how bad it is, but it's not good. <laughs> but I think the effort that, that that the Henson workshop and Jim Henson put into the amount of characters and distinct characters alone is is like worth worth the effort, you know, just because it's like, yeah, it's incredible when you think about just the sheer scale of distinct, interesting, weird, creepy, scary characters that they came up with, often with different concepts. Like you said, like the the fire guys, which are terrifying and horrible. Uh, <laughs> just the concept uh-huh. of how they did that is really cool. Taking off their heads and
1: the hands are really cool. I want to be clear. I don't hate them because they're terrifying. I hate them because they're annoying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which also terrifies me, I guess. <laughs> Being stuck with those going guys. Sorry to interrupt yeah. again. No, I mean, that's it. Go ahead. Um, I am sort of in the same vein. I think I really do appreciate uh, Jim Henson for his art direction and his ability to build a world. This seems like a really interesting world that exists um, with a story I'm that just seems really uh, kind of dated in a way. I don't mean like, oh, dated yeah. for the 80s. I mean dated for like the 1680s. <laughs> like it feels like a very... Uh, archaic story and, and and consciously so um and but i i wish there was like an attempt to modernize it i wish there was an attempt like to give the villain is he a villain I, i'm i'm not entirely right. sure and maybe he's not um based on on maybe the 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 uh under the table reading of like it being sort of a girl resisting maturation a little bit. Um, but he's also got like, I, I just thought of this when we were talking about, uh, the pseudo sexual stuff, but the way he talks in circles in the last scene is also like an endemic of like a, an abusive relationship. Yes. Like I will be your slave as long as you do what right. I say is like, like, you know, maybe not. It's like an underlined version of, you know, an abusive boyfriend or husband or something. Um, but that being said, going back to to Jim Henson, I wish there was just a little bit more like update to this story that I like got to know her a little bit more. Maybe got to know why Jareth cares about this thing. But I think he's supposed to be sort of a, a an archetypical you know fairy tale villain. He's not supposed to have sort of a backstory. Right. But if you throw in someone named the Goblin King, who's like performed by one of the most charismatic performers of the past you know forty years, like. Yeah, I'm going to need a little bit more cuz I'm just like why would we ever leave the Goblin King? He seems like he throws a great party yeah. at least. He loves kids. He's got songs. Um, loves kicking goblins. And yeah, I mean some of the the characters in this and and I know like Jim Henson, I was obsessed with Jim Henson when I was a kid and I really loved the Muppets and I knew from some of the stuff I read about him cuz I did do a project in Jim Henson when I was Ooh. a kid. Um, you found that? he really wanted to eventually so You found huh? that in your uh, scrapbook. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. But it was like, uh, we had, like, one of my, I think it was fifth grade, we always had to do a project every quarter, I think, on a Great American. And um, from a certain period, like, each, it was like, the first one was, like, the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, et cetera. Um, And I did one on Jim Henson. And I knew, like, he eventually wanted to get away from the Muppets and do these sort of dark crystal, labyrinth-type things and eventually get into more realistic puppetry. And it seems like people were like, I'll go a little bit on the Dark Crystal. And then apparently with Labyrinth, people were like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> like this was sort of a box office disappointment. I don't think it was a bomb. And critics were kind of like, mm. meh on it. And I think according to his son, it was like a really dark time for him because he started to realize like, "I'm it's just going to be the Muppets, yeah. isn't it? Um, And I think, yeah, like you said, it's a technical marvel and Art direction wise, it's gorgeous story wise. I'm just, I just never can really connect with anything. Oh, I like the music fine. It just never blends into the story. And, uh, I think Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie do a great job. David Bowie seems to be having the time of his life. Um, and he, he's so game to do stuff like this. It's very refreshing to see someone who sort of reached that status, be able to, to just be like, yeah, I'm just having fun. um, but I don't know. It's hard for me to say your inner child is an idiot, um, because there's so much to like in this. There's a lot of sequences yeah. to like, and I just think it never gels into a hole that I'm like, yeah, I get it. Um, I can definitely see like looking up scenes of this on YouTube, but never wanting to sit down for right. a movie yeah. again. Yeah. yeah, totally. You know, uh, so
0: it is a really I, a, v- what, a collection be, of vignettes. I mean.
1: I mean it, it is it, the road very movie. much like <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. It's very much like Alice in Wonderland or yeah or or yeah. The Odyssey or Wizard of Oz where it's like I mean especially Alice in Wonderland where yeah Tweedledum and Tweedledee don't really have much bearing on the story. They just sort of t- say a few rhymes and then go to war with each other and then Alice is like peace yeah. I'm out of here. I got to get out of here. Um so I think I will I'll come down on the other side but I'm I already somewhat regret it, but I will say your inner child is an idiot. This isn't that great right. of a movie. It just sparked everyone's sexual awakening because uh, David Bowie's ball sack was present for the entire <laughs> proceeding. Um, so yeah, I, I, in the interest of like splitting the vote to make it clear, I'll say your inner child. Yeah, is I an think idiot. I
0: think that just like as an episode of this podcast makes sense because like I don't have any interest in watching this again. Um, but it also wasn't a big thing for me. You know, I remember seeing it, I had memories of it, but it wasn't like um an important movie to my childhood. Um, and so
1: I did have a friend in college who was offended that I had not seen it, and that was the first time I saw it was in college I was like, all right, I mean it's charming. Right. I think I get it, but I'm not gonna make an effort to make yeah. this a thing. What do you think, everybody? Why don't you email
0: us? Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call us at 615-576-0525. Leave us a message. We'll play it on the show. Um, you can find us on all the social medias. You can find it on Instagram.com slash You're in an Idiot. You can find us on Twitter. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, you can go to Patreon.com slash you in an Idiot. We want to thank our current patrons, including Christine in Brooklyn,
1: Demons the Street in Accent,
0: Anne McIntyre, Dramatically Placed Hot Dog, Is Honor the Mayor, Jacob Grimm, Jeremy Powellin, Jonathan Day, Joshua Nicholson, just cuz Karen Kurd Larissa Maestro Lindsey Nell little flick primordial burrito.
1: I think that's a Slavic name uh T Smith,
0: the Supreme ruler of this podcast and the zesty I wonder if uh and you can you can let us know but I I wonder if Supreme ruler of this podcast realizes that, whoever we say before that sounds like the Supreme ruler of the podcast.
1: Because- <laughs> T Smith, the Supreme ruler. of <laughs> yeah.
0: podcast. So I don't know if you knew that if, or if you want to change your name to, I am the Supreme ruler, of it, whatever you're <laughs> we're, but Then it, it
1: just seems like we are T Smith. Yeah. Clearing ourselves. Exactly. The ruler yeah. of this podcast.
0: It's your sandbox. We're just playing in it. Okay. Do what you want. <laughs> um, if you want to become a patron of the show, like them, patreon.com slash and child's an idiot. um, do you
1: have any you want to sing your favorite bowie song on our way out dance, dance magic dance. dance dance magic dance i did have a did i say this in the intro where i had a girl who worked with me and she always wanted to do the you remind me of the babe the babe with the power the power of voodoo voodoo, you do remind me of the babe she I wanted to do, do that like with david you. she wanted to do that i was like and again it was before college i was like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> why, why would she pick you I was uh, the gay kid and she knew I didn't yet.